Lord, we thank you and praise you for your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Gayla. Appreciate you. All right, Miss Hope, you are ready. Our kids, pre-K through third grade, if you are ready to go, you are ready to go. We have children's church right now. If you're first time with us, we like to send our kids upstairs and they have a fun time hearing the gospel in their language and uh, get a great time in the word. My daughter is now in fourth grade and she is excited to hear from dad on a regular basis, but she's a little sad to uh, leave Children's Church as well. So uh, we'll have to see how that all goes. We're, we're always developing new ways and ways in which kids can understand and create the gospel. And we want to even do that right here when we're preaching the word. Um, so I'll be preaching to my, my fourth grader as well. Um, well, this is Relaunch Sunday. We've been talking about this for a while now, a couple weeks now, and it is finally here, right? And uh, originally, when we planned this out, we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have Relaunch Sunday on August the 8th because we know that the pandemic will be completely over. That cue the laughter, right? And, uh, you know, God... God is faithful and he is good and we are walking in faith knowing that the Lord is going to work in our hearts and our minds and he's going to work in the hearts and minds of people in our community that we meet with the gospel no matter what is happening around us. And that is our call as a church. And you're going to see in a minute here what we've kind of put together as the vision and what God is is doing amongst his people. This is is what God wants us to do, whether there is a pandemic or not. And so we're moving forward as a church and God is going to be glorified whether we're online, whether we're here. Whether we're in our home, working from home, or whether we're at our work with our coworkers, God is going to be glorified. So I, I want, I want to, to show you a couple things that we've been working on for almost now a year and a half um, through this pandemic. And you can see that beautiful picture of, of, of Northwest Baptist. Who are we? As Northwest Baptists, as we look forward to, to what God has for us here after, after doing all of these things, after remodeling our sanctuary, after, after reformatting our, our, our staff, after moving forward, who are we as Northwest Baptists? We are a 91-year-old church, and the Lord has done multiple times. He's done a new work multiple times, and he's doing a new work today. And I want to show you some of the things that we have have, have discussed as leadership and some of our members in, important to you. Go ahead and change to, to that one. It says, we exist to reach people for Christ and walk with them to maturity. That is the long time standing statement that we believe here at Northwest. What do we do? We exist to glorify God by reaching people for Christ and walking with them to maturity. Now, we have that... In, uh, 
in our, in our walls. We have it everywhere. But how do we do this? And this is what we want to focus on as we move forward. We want to focus on how this happens in your life, in my life, in the life of God's church. And you, you can see on this wall right here we've put, how do we do what we exist to be? And that is to love Christ and live his mission. We can't do one or the other, right? Can't love Jesus and not live his mission. And we can't obey Christ and live the great commission in our life and not love our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it's not one or the other, but both. Love Christ and live his mission. His mission is the Great Commission, which we're going to talk about on the next slide. So we have these Great Commission goals. How do we live his mission? How do we carry out the mission of God at Northwest Baptist? Well, we have three things based upon the making of disciples in the Great Commission. Three ways we do that. We proclaim the gospel. That is, that is our knowing Christ. We proclaim the gospel so that you will know who Jesus is and what he did for you. That's all of us. That's not just me. That is all of us in this room. All of the church saying we are going to be gospel proclaimers. We're going to help people know Jesus and what he has done for us. And the second one is we're going to teach people to obey Christ. It's not just tell them about this Jesus. We're going to teach them to obey Christ in what we call life-on-life discipleship. It is being in community with brothers and sisters in which you can grow in your faith, in your knowledge of who God is, and your obedience to what God has said according to his word. Amen? So we're going to know Christ. We're going to grow in Christ through life on life discipleship. We're going to know Christ through proclaiming the gospel. And guess what? Last thing, we're going to go. We're going to be sent on mission. Every time, every Sunday when we stand up here, we say, you are sent. And guess what? We mean that. We mean that our people as the church are being sent out on mission by one another. We're sending to the uttermost parts of the earth, but we're sending to the uttermost parts of Oklahoma City on a weekly basis. Yes, we want to send to Siberia, but we also want to send to your workplace, to your home, even to your heart with the knowledge of the scriptures, the knowledge of the word of God encouraging you to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. So yes, we have goals here. We want our people to live his mission. And the next thing, we want people to love Christ. The next slide here. This is why we have values. We, because we value Christ. We love Jesus. Amen? And so what do we do to express our love for Christ as his church? We worship. We worship together. We worship with a heart that loves God. We want to worship. We are going to be here for worship on Sunday mornings, but we worship with our entire life. Everything that we do is worship unto this God. 
What else? How else do we love Christ? How else do we express our love to God? We pray. We, we've talked about this in the series of praying together and the importance of prayer. I just prayed with Miss Gala on the stage and we care about her and we care about hope pregnancy and we want to pray because we trust God. We don't trust everything else in the world. There's doctors and there's research and there's science and all of these things. We trust in God in prayer. The next thing, how do we express our love for God himself is through community. Why? Because we need accountability. We need encouragement from one another. We value this because we love God. We know that we cannot live on an island by ourselves. Therefore, we are vulnerable with one another. We join a community group. We are in life together. (coughs) Excuse me. What's the next one? Word of God. We value, we love our God, and therefore, this is our authority. This is our guide. This is our principles. This is what we live by. And this is what we need for food and sustenance and growth and life. And the last one is love in action. It's our response to God. It's as a response, our response to God's love for us is love towards one another. It's not love just from our mouth, but from our actions. And what we do, and we're going to talk about that this morning in serving and loving one another. This is the church. This is what God has called us to be. This is what it means to love Christ and live his mission. This is what we go through every time we go through a a membership DNA. We have two families that are going to join our church this morning. This is what we do. We talk about these things. We talk about how we can do these things in our church and be a part of what God is doing here at Northwest. So yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited. If you don't know, I'm excited, okay? So those are some things. Do we have another slide or is that it? That's it. Okay, I wish we had five more, but we don't. So we can get into the sermon this morning. Well, we've talked about three things in our series and culture shaping things in our series. Alignment, God's church, God's way. We talked about prayer together and the importance of people praying for one another from James chapter 5. We've talked about worshiping together as David is in the lowest part of his life in Psalm 34. He calls out and he says, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. What a beautiful picture of the church coming together to worship this God who is worthy of worship. And last but not least, this morning we're going to be talking about leading together. Leading together. It's not what you might think of when you think of something that we do together. How do we lead together? Well, I think when we look at this passage in 1 Corinthians at the end of the book in chapter 16, you're going to understand what it means to lead together. Because the biblical definition of leadership is different than the world's definition of leadership. In the, in the book of, of 1 Corinthians, Paul is, is giving this church in Corinth kind of a, 
a scolding, okay? They, they, they have fallen off of the path of God's design for his church and he's trying to realign them to God's path for his church. And at the end in chapter 16, which we're gonna read this morning, he shows them a summary of what it looks like to be a Christ-centered church and to be a Christ-centered people within that church. Paul has told them to turn from their self-centered living and to live for the glory of God throughout the entire book. And much of that begins with leaders. People who God will call and raise up to be servants within the church of God. In this passage, he discusses service in the body. And, and, and oftentimes when we think of, of church, we think of what is my role, right, at church? Do I have a, a job? It, it, essentially, am I a Sunday school teacher or a greeter or a parking lot attendant? Am I a worship leader or a nursery care worker? Am I a server on Wednesday night? Am I a deacon or a pastor? And we, we often identify as this is my role. This is what I do at church. And each part of the body is gifted to perform certain roles and functions. But, but God shows us something in his word here. And, and I don't want to discount people's roles because that is important. And it is building the body of Christ up. They are not to forget the task or the end goal of their role. And what Paul says in this text in 1 Corinthians 16 is that they're not devoted to teaching Sunday school. They're not devoted to leading in song. They're not devoted to preaching. They're devoted to to the service of the saints. What does that mean? They are devoted to one another. Whatever roles they are performing is not for themselves, but to be built up for those around them. This becomes the heart of a leader within the church. He is performing his role or his task for others. The benefit of others. And this type of synergy within a church is only created when the church looks to Christ and the glory of God and says we are going to lead together for the glory of God. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and I'll show you what I'm talking about here. As we intro in, we're gonna start in verse 13 at the end of the book, Paul's final words to the Corinthians church and instructions to them. If you'll stand with me in reading of God's word, it is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. It says this, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know 
that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such men. You can be seated. Father, we ask that as we study your word, as we see Paul's heart and the opportunity to be a church that centers our life around loving Christ and living his mission. Father, we ask that we would have leaders who serve the body well. That they don't serve for recognition. They don't serve for any outside thoughts or heart. They serve because they love the Lord God Almighty and he has called them to this task. Lord, help us to be a people who humbly serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Question this morning. Have you ever run over someone to get the job done? What I mean by that is, have you ever like moved someone out of the way or pushed someone aside to, to accomplish the task? Maybe it was a coworker or a family member. Maybe it was a complete stranger. I can remember back in the days of, of food shortage, right? In the pandemic, the food shortage. Uh, it wasn't just toilet paper, it was sometimes, it was food, right? When you went to the grocery store, you would go to the store, and if you were there at like 5 p.m., you were too late. You would walk into the store, and there would be completely empty shelves. Now, I'm not going to get into why all that happened and what happened there, but you would see there wouldn't be food in certain areas, and you would be like, what, what? is this? Is this the 21st century? Are we living in America here? What is going on? And um, you're looking for your favorite food or your thing that your kids need, and you're going, I don't see it. Well, one of my comfort foods is Oreos. You guys know this. And I, I, I can't survive, right? So you, you look in the store and you go, there's no Oreos. And, uh, and it is a dog-eat-dog world in the grocery store. And if it's the last bag of Oreos, I'm, I mean, you're throwing kids out of the way trying to grab that. You're knocking people over to accomplish the task. Buying Oreos and milk for your family is a necessity, For your Sunday night snack. So if there's no Oreos on the shelf, watch out. But um, no. But this this happens sometimes in the church. This is my ministry. This is my job, my position. I'm the leader. I deserve this. I'm willing to knock out anyone in my path. And we have forgotten what we are doing as the people of God. 
the whole purpose of the church, the people of God, why we gather together at 23rd and Drexel, why we worship, why we sing, why we have community groups, is to glorify God. So, so how do we glorify him in the work that we do? And, and the text here really jumps out at me when I studied this. They devoted themselves to the service of the saints, the ministry of the saints. We serve people. We love people. Not the position or the task that we have. You see, this is the example that Christ set for us. It is a love in action. The gospel on display. Leaders leading by loving people. Not performing a task or a function or a job. And even here we see these, these men, Stephanus, Fortunatus, Achaicus. You don't know these guys. They're, they're not even given a title. You don't know who they are. And yet, they serve and they love and they refresh. What a refreshing soul. There's many in our church today that you don't know who they are. And yet, they serve and they love and they refresh. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord for you, Northwest Baptist. When you serve and you love and you refresh, even if no one knows your name, praise the Lord for you. You see, this is discipleship at its finest. This is what Jesus did. Mark three fourteen. he says, and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Get that. So that he appointed 12 so that they might be with him so that he might send them out to preach. You mean Jesus sent people out to preach by being with him? Yep. Everything he did taught them how to live, how to preach, how to make disciples. So we can perform the task all we want, but we must be people who serve one another. Leaders lead by serving the saints. First Corinthians is a great book. I've preached through 14 chapters of First Corinthians. Uh, someday I'm going to preach chapters 15 and 16, but I'm getting to a part of it today. But if you haven't read it, you need to read it. Um, if you're having issues with yourself or your church, you should read the book and you'll feel a lot better about yourself, okay? Uh, I'm kidding, but, but really, the church in Corinth is messed up. Uh, they have serious issues. Uh, some of their issues are they're replacing God's word with human wisdom. They are, div- there's divisions among them within the church. They have sexual immorality that's rampant in the church. There are lawsuits within the church. They have a lack of understanding of God's design for biblical marriage, divorce, and being single. They have misunderstood and misused their spiritual gifts. They have had somehow made, uh, made a, a, a thing out of the Lord's Supper, uh, made the Lord's Supper about themselves rather than about Christ, and they have forgotten that love is necessary in all the work that they do. 
They have problems, just as some of us have problems, myself included. But God is redeeming and restoring and bringing refreshment to a church in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And this is what Paul finally says here in verse 13. He says this, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. This is our first point this morning. Leaders are rooted in their faith. Leaders are rooted in their faith. This is our men's ministry verse. By the way, men's, men's breakfast is on Saturday. Steve Klug is going to be sharing his testimony And we're going to start something called a My Five Groups. What is a My Five Groups? It's men that meet in the morning or at night. Uh, It's meant to be uh, for your schedule. It's five men. They meet around the Word of God. And they study the Word. They hold each other accountable for sharing the gospel, reading the Word. And and if they have wives for being pure and, and loving their wife well. And they do this once a week. It's just an intense accountability. If you want to sign up for that, you come on August 14th, the men's breakfast at 8 a.m., and we'll get you signed up into a group. You need to be in a group. We're going to go through 1 Corinthians um, this semester. So be on guard for that. We have about 25 men that have done this before. So all 25 of them are going to start new groups, right? So um, this is a joke, okay? You're supposed to laugh. But we have 25 men that have been in a group and are good to go to start new groups. They may not all do that, but we hope that they will. Paul gives us five things in this text that he has been talking about throughout this letter. Be alert, Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Do all in love. You see, be alert, be awake, be vigilant, be alive. The church was allowing their past ideas and habits to come back into their lives. To destroy their faithfulness to the Lord and destroy their fellowship with one another. Be alert. The enemy wants to seek, kill, and destroy you. Better be on guard. Uh, Six things in the New Testament that we're supposed to be on alert for. One is Satan. I just said he wants to, to devour you. Temptation, apathy, false teachers, prayer, and the Lord's return. Two, the last two, prayer and the Lord's return, are positive. Be alert. Be ready for prayer. Be ready for the Lord's return. Stand firm. Paul has talked about people standing firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1, it says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. We stand firm in the faith. We're rooted in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Act like men, showing maturity and courage, not like little boys or teenagers. I'm just kidding. They're, they're men. Somebody asked me the other day, they were like, when, when are you going to uh, de- declare your son a man? 
when he's 13 years old. When he's 13 years old, he needs to understand what it looks like for a, to live a life worthy of a man of God. And he needs to begin that process of putting childish things behind and begin to live a life worthy of the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given his life to Christ. And when he becomes 13 years old, we're going to gather some men around him. We're going to go off to some far off place. And we're going to spend the whole weekend praying over him. And we're going to show him what it looks like to be a man. And each man is going to testify of what it looks like to be a man of God. And he's going to know that at 13 years old. Parents, we have to teach our children what it looks like to be a young woman or a young man. Ephesians 4.13, and he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Be strong. There's a submission to Christ so that we can be strengthened by him. You see, we we often sense in our worldview today that humility is weakness. Humility is not weakness when Christ is at the center. Humility is actually strength when Christ is at the center of our life. Do all in love. Paul talks about love in chapter 13. And if we just continue to do all of these works without love, we are just a a gong or a clanging symbol. So what does it mean for us as leaders? I'm talking about you. Our our goal in, in the church at Northwest is not just to build a few leaders and call them staff. Our goal at Northwest is to build you as a leader. Someone who proclaims the gospel intensely. Someone who leads a community group and can do life-on-life discipleship and shepherd people. Someone who can go into their workplace as a light for the gospel. These are leaders. You see, what does it mean for them? It means that their roots are deep, firmly planted. Not because they perform well but because they love Christ and live his mission and are examples to the rest of the body of what it means to follow Christ. When I was in college, one of the strangest things happened to me. I was praying um, by a lake. I was on a uh, summer uh, camp and the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Um, He's spoken to me a few times, but this was very clear, the Lord speaking to me, directing me. And he said, go over and push on that tree. It wasn't an audible voice, but I felt the Lord leading me to go and push on this tree. And so I went over to this very large tree and pushed on it. It was a large base. It had a large base. It It was about that big around. 
And I pushed on the tree and it moved like it was going to fall over. And I was like, what is he doing? Why is he making me push on this tree? And he goes, he says, go over to the smaller tree and push on that tree. And I go over this small tree and I push on the tree and it doesn't move. And it looks like it's like a little twig of a tree. And I push on the tree and it doesn't move at all. And it was by the water. And I could see after going over to the tree and looking at it more intensely that it had this great root system that stretched into the water. The Lord led me to Psalm chapter 1, and this is what he said. In Psalm chapter 1, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You see, the Lord was saying, Rob, you need to be rooted in the word of God. You need to know my word. You need to meditate on it day and night. Be rooted in your faith through the word of God. It's the same thing Paul is calling his church to the same as David calls In his psalm, psalm chapter 1, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. You want to be the tree that's firmly planted in the word of God, not the tree that looks all great. Has it all together on the outside, but is not rooted in the scriptures is not rooted in love, is not rooted in Christ. And guess what? When the winds come and the storms blow, that tree will fall. Verse 15, now I urge you brothers, talking about the church, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints, be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. There's a lot in there, but this is the second point that we chose to do. Leaders are devoted to the work of Christ. Leaders are devoted to the work of Christ. The word devoted here is tasso in the Greek. It means to set in order. It's, it means to assign, to set, appoint, designate, to give oneself to. That's where you get the devoted word in the English. In some ways, the church assigns or sets in order or appoints leaders, such as deacons or elders or sometimes community group leaders that are assigned a position 
But, but notice in the text that the household of Stephanus did not wait for a designation. You see, sometimes we wait for a designation in the church to say, well, then I have the authority to lead. But if you define leadership as service to the saints, God is calling you to lead now. Because what we see in the church is people who are serving in that area often get the designation later. Want to be a leader in the church? Begin serving. See needs. Fill them. If you're wondering where to serve, ask one of the leaders and we'll plug you in to service of people. But the household of Stephanus served entirely on their own initiative. It's interesting here. Paul says, be subject to such as these. They don't even have an official designation. Yet be subject to such as these. Subject to those who are serving the body of Christ. The, the word service here is diakonia, which we get the term deacon from. Service. And what does Jesus define as leadership? He defines it as service. This is what he says in Matthew twenty twenty five. But Jesus called to them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be among you, but whoever would be the greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So these guys, the household of Stephanus, no one knows. Why? Because they're normal people giving of themselves to one another for the glory of God. What if no one knows your name? Is it okay to serve? Praise God for the many, many workers that no one knows their name in this church. Praise God for the people right now that are in the nursery taking care of the babies. 1 Peter 5, 1 says this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as the partakers in the glory that is going to be real Revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those you're in charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Leadership is all about being examples of Christ. Serving one another with love. Devoting themselves to the service of the saints. Leadership is not about making decisions in the body of Christ, but about serving for the kingdom of God. So, we have leaders who are designated, and I have challenged them as shepherds. They're called community group leaders. 
to be examples to you, the flock, to shepherd and care for your needs as your pastors come alongside them and encourage them and help them walk with you as the people of God. This is what we have designed. You know, when Moses was trying to trying to uh, shepherd and guide all of the people. And Jethro, his father-in-law, said, you need multiple shepherds. You cannot have just you yourself deciding everything and, and, and solving all the issues. Well, we've developed community groups, and community group leaders are these shepherds to help guide and walk with you and grow you to maturity in the Lord God Almighty. And guess what? It works well when the system works, right? If you're not in a community group, you need to be in a community group. If you're in a community group and you never attend, guess what? It's hard for people to know that you're struggling. You need to let someone know. You can, include, you can let me know. That doesn't mean that I don't want to help shepherd you. It just means that we don't want to lose you as a person that walks into our body, as a member of our church. We do not want to lose our people. And if you're new with us and you've never been a part of us, we're asking you to go through what we call a membership DNA class where we talk about these things. What is a community group? How do we walk with our community group? And, and why do we need to be in a community group? And then we invite you to be a part of a community group and, and, and to love and to live Um, together on mission for Christ. So here's where we are. Verse 17, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus, Fortunaeus, Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence. Somehow uh, the Corinthian church forgot about Paul. These guys in the church are making up for his absence. Uh, Sometimes I need people to make up for my absence within the body, okay? I I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to know when you're going to the hospital. I want to pray for you. But there are some times in which I, I miss. I don't know. And we need people that can make up for my absence, right? Verse 18, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such men. This is the last point this morning. Leaders bring refreshment to our spirit. Leaders bring refreshment to our spirit. These men refreshed Paul's spirit. They brought someone who is rooted and strong in the Lord, but is in need of refreshment, is dry, in need of encouragement. Guess what? We all are there at one point or another. You may be there this week. It's been a hard week. Don't turn on the news. I'm, I mean, you can watch the news, but it, it's hard to watch the news. And yet these men, who we don't even know who they are, they're bringing refreshment to Paul. Herman Reese talked to me before the service this morning. He brought refreshment to my soul just by giving me a five-second encouragement. 
They're an aroma to Christ. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, the, the word refreshment is used as rest. Here's what it says. Come to me. This is Jesus speaking. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you refreshment, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find refreshment, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. No wonder God's leaders who are examples of the flock, who are shepherds and examples of Christ to their people should bring refreshment of Christ to their people. There's nothing worse than being in an ocean, salt water, surrounded by water, and yet being thirsty. There's nothing worse than being a part of a church surrounded by people with living water and being parched. So if that's you today, you say, I need refreshment. I need to reach out. Because there are leaders in our church, there are leaders in our community group that want to bring refreshment to your soul. I would love to visit you. Our community group leaders would love to visit you. We need leaders. We need more leaders. We need leaders that will be rooted and grounded in their faith, in the world, in their faith in Christ, in this world, which turns and shifts every few days. The world is turning and changing every single minute. We need to be rooted in the word of God. We need leaders that are willing to serve. Getting in the life of people, it's hard to get in the life of people. Willing to walk with them in community. And we need leaders who will bring refreshment to people's souls. He says, give recognition to such men. Respect and appreciate these leaders in which God gives to your church, whether named or unnamed leaders. I'm going to read the last section, verses 19 through 24. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. That word there is Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Until the Lord comes, we get to be the community, the body of Christ, the people of God. Let us lead together like Christ. Let us love one another and serve one another, being rooted and grounded in our faith and bring refreshment that can only come 
through Christ in us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our church, raising up godly men and women. Father, who will serve one another in love, in unity, that are filled with the spirit of the living God because they love Christ. And they want to live his mission. Father, as you have given us a vision for the church in the future, we ask that our people would receive what has been presented to them. We ask that our people would begin to yearn for what you yearn for. Father, we ask that you would set a blaze of fire amongst your people that would shine brightly in this city throughout the world. Father, we thank you that you have given us a beautiful church, a generous people who love one another, who encourage one another in the gospel of Christ. We pray, Father, that we would see ourselves as leaders built for the kingdom of God, whether people know our name or not, whether we we were given that position or not, that we would serve the body of Christ, that we would serve our community with one heart, one love, one faith. We thank you for your people that gather at 23rd and Drexel. Father, we ask that you would embolden us by your spirit to be the church, the people of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let us respond in worship. Kyle, go ahead and...